You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right, all right, all right. Let's pull back together. We'll keep the conversation going after uh, service. Go ahead and have a seat. All right. Great to be together. It's a fuller crowd than last week. Who here is healthy? Raise your hand. Who here is not healthy? Okay, good. That's a trick question. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We are, uh, we're starting a new series today called Hidden Christmas. New series starting today called Hidden Christmas. Over the next few weeks, we'll be kind of looking forward towards Advent. And uh, so that's, uh, Advent means looking forward towards the birth of Christ. It's kind of an idea. It's been a, a part of Christian tradition for a long time. Jesus probably wasn't born this time of year. But over time, it evolved that, that this would be a time that Christians celebrate his birth at the darkest time of the year. This is the darkest time of year that we're getting to. And so it's a celebrate of the light that comes into the world. And so the title of the lesson today is A Light Has Dawned. And uh, we're not talking about this kind of light. But, um, but this, is, this time of year is a season of light, isn't it? This is from the Griswold family Christmas. Uh, I know a lot of you remember that. But, uh, but I did visit Candy Cane Lane this week with the family. And uh, how many of you guys have gone there yet? This is our local community. You got to support, you know. Now is the time of year to go. Don't go at like December 20th. Uh, now is the time of year. We just breezed right on through there, and most of it was all set up. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Uh, and uh, the, the, the title of the lesson comes from this passage in Isaiah. If you want to turn to Isaiah 9, we're going to kind of be focused there for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and pray before we jump into this. God, as we open your scriptures, it's so amazing that we have... Uh, access to your word. Father, thank you that you have spoken to us through the prophets like Isaiah. Uh, thank you that you, the ultimate revelation of your will and your word is Jesus, that the word become flesh. And thank you that you entered our world and took on humanity. And thank you that we can celebrate that and remember that this time of year. And uh, Father, thank you for uh, the light that shines in darkness and uh, help us to carry that to others. I pray that you speak to us through your word right now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, Dessa, can you go get me my J. Brian Craig uh, cup? Yeah, my, my, my son's girlfriend gave me a cup that says J. Brian on it, and so I love it because no one ever steals it. So, uh, But I realize I'm parched. As I'm praying, I'm like, I don't have any moisture in my mouth right now. But, uh, you know, this, uh, this passage is, is from Isaiah, passage of Isaiah, talking about looking forward to a Messiah. Thank you. By the time I get up here, I've already been here since 8, and we've been rehearsing and everything, and then I forget to drink anything. Thank you. So much better. Um, you know, this time of year has, uh, it's, it's a fun time of year. As we, we saw the lights, the lights come out, the, the Christmas carols uh, come out, the Christmas music plays on Coast 103.5, and maybe you turn it that's the only time you ever listen to that station is this time of year um but it's also you know it, it's also a time of year that kind of accentuates our loss and it, it accentuates the things we don't have or the things that we 
You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's somehow it's at the same time it's wonderful and it's beautiful, but it's also painful for some of us. I think the older of us, older of us, uh, oldest, older we get. And uh, I, I'm going to have trouble here today. I just know it. But, you know, this for our family, just to be serious for a minute, and I don't mean to be a downer, but, you know, for our family, this is a tough Christmas. This is the first uh, Christmas without Dust's mom. And, uh, you know, she is embodies Christmas. You know, I've, I've known her for over 30 years, and, you know, Christmas was, she always gave me these amazing gifts. Even when we were dating, she gave me a swatch, you know, when I was just a boyfriend. You know, I was like, man, that's an awesome Christmas gift. But she overdoes it with Christmas decorations and, you know, and everything, you know. So it's just, it's going to be weird. And we're supposed to go to my parents. We, we rotate which family we go to every Christmas. So it's, it's the turn to go to my parents uh, in New Jersey. But we decided to, to forego that because, you know, Dust has got to be with her twin sister on this first Christmas without her mom. And, you know, and her dad's going to be, they've been together since they were 14 uh, well, he was, she was 14 and he was 15, I think, something like that. Long time. <laughs> so, I mean, they sort of, when he went in the Navy for a couple years, he sort of said, you can date other people, which she supposedly did. And, and I just found out this guy's name is Dudley Dubad or something. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, her, her dad was telling me about him. But, but then when, she, when, he, when he would come back into town from the Navy... She would take a break from Dudley Dubad and hang out with Dave. <laughs> so, anyway, long time ago. But, but, but it, you know, we feel our loss. Like, for, in our family, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. It's already difficult. I feel just, like, even as we're, we're trying to set up Christmas and everything, I want to, like, kind of make myself feel all happy, but I'm just, like, not. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm sad about that. There's other things going on. There's... You know, some of my, my best friends are going through a really hard crisis in their family. And, you know, there's just, there's illness, there's mental health stuff, there's all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we are, we are broken people. We are fallen humanity. We are outside of Eden. We're not in Eden. And yet, our hearts yearn for Eden. And so I think Christmas is this thing of saying, even in darkness, there is hope. Yeah. Right? Even in darkness, there is light. But, you know, the world... The world thinks that it knows how to get the solutions. And, and th- th- I want to give you a little bit of context for this verse. In the chapter before uh, Isaiah 8, this is right before then. It says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spirit- spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into outer darkness. So Isaiah is in the midst of talking about the darkness. As he's gonna, he says the light has dawned. He's saying the world is full of darkness, and, and people look to these other solutions. They look in, in their time. This is like, this is like the, the latest stuff to listen to in their time. This is the latest social media in their time, you know, the... The mediums and the spiritists. Yeah, th- this is the latest self-help routine. Um, this is the latest kind of alternative, you know, sources of of, of meaning. And 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 the, the prophet is saying those things don't give you the solutions. Those things only give you more darkness. Um, there was a recent study. Study this. This woman just won the Nobel Peace Prize. Maria Ressa. Um, she's. Uh, uh, from the Philippines, and she's, she wrote uh, a lot about what's going on in the Philippines. 
But she, she said from this, that she did this MIT, I'm not sure if she did the study, she was involved in the study, but this MIT study, uh, and, and they discovered that, and this is a new social phenomenon for our generation, for us, and this is that in, in the world of social media, lies spread faster than truth. And we all know that, but I mean, it's just like they studied it. And negativity spreads faster than positivity, and we all know that, but it just... And so the things that blow up are fear, anger, hatred, us against them. That's what gets the most clicks. Fear, anger, hatred, and us against them. That's, and that's, these platforms are being built on trying to make us afraid. And I don't know where you're, what your relationship to social media is like. I have chosen to kind of opt out. I just get on there, just kind of dip my... It's kind of like stepping in the door for a minute. Hello. <laughs> I just get out of there. You know, maybe post a picture of a cat or my kid or, you know, because I just, I, I, I was there for a while and I, I just can't be in that place. And I, I'm not saying you're in sin if you spend a lot of time on Facebook. It's just, this is, this is factually true that it's negative by nature and that people are trying to get your eyeballs and they're trying to do it through making you afraid. And, and through anger and fear and hate and, and us versus them and, and, and demonizing the other and all of that. And, and, and it's the cycle. It becomes this vicious cycle. And, and it gets more money. So the more clicks means more money. So then more money pours in, which, you know what I mean? It's just the cycle. And as a society, we have to figure it out. But, but it just reminds us, it reminds me that we ha- we're in a dark world. And, and we're in a world that, I mean, not just social media, but in all kinds of ways, there are problems we can't solve. Have you, know, have you discovered that? There are problems we can't solve. Uh, there are people we can't control. Right? Have you discovered that one? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe, you know, I don't know who it is, but there's people you can't control. Yourself. And uh, there are expectations that we can't meet. And, and, and there's things that we hope for that we just can't fill ourselves. And so there, there's this weird dichotomy where we yearn for something, but, but we're, we're here in this fallen, outside of Eden world. And the world's solution, we're in what's now called a postmodern society. A postmodern society. And why that is, is because for a long time, human beings, there was a season where we thought we can figure everything out. We, we have the answers. And I, it's cool because I'm living in this place where I'm sort of straddling modernity and postmodernity. Like, I'm old enough to remember kind of this. Remember the world of tomorrow at Disney? Like, yes. we can solve everything. You know, that's kind of this idea. Or if you watch those old, old reels from the 50s, now that's before my time, but I did see the reels growing up. You know, it's kind of like these, the, the technology has the answers. You know, but I think as people in the 20th century, the, the, the big realization, especially as the turn of the century, was we don't have the answers. Human beings don't have the answers. And, and, and all of science and progress leads us to, you know, apocalypse. <laughs> you know, it leads us to uh, what happened in the, in the 20th century with, with Hitler, with, you know, these horrible things. You know, Hitler was all about science and progress. And genetics was all about, uh, or, or uh, what, not genetics, what's it called when they're, Eugenics was all about science and program. I mean, horrible things, right? And uh, even the best that science brought us, the best of thinkers, I want to show you this quote. Uh, let me see if I can read this. This is from Bertrand Russell. He is like the, one of the leading thought thinkers of the 20th century in terms of philosophy and science. 
He didn't even look smart with his pipe there, right? Just, <laughs> I'm going to give you the wisdom. So, so this, is, this is him. This is him trying to help us to be happy, okay? <laughs> this is trying to help us to find meaning. He says, he says, such an outline, but even more purposelessness, more void of meaning is the world which science presents for our belief, that man is the product of causes which he had no provision in the end they were achieving, that his origin, his growth, his hopes, his fears, his loves, and his beliefs are all but the outcome of accidental collisions of atoms, that no fire no hero, heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave, that all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system, and that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only in the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. What? He's saying, you know, he's saying like only when you realize that everything is meaningless and everything is just random, can you be happy. You know, by saying, okay, only in the scaffolding of these truths. I love that part, the last line. Only in the firm foundation of unyielding despair. I don't want unyielding despair to be my foundation. I don't know about you. That is so depressing. Uh, yeah, and, and, and so our world knows that, and our world has actually re- more and more rejected atheism. Our, our world is more tended to, I mean, that's postmodernity is saying science doesn't give us the answers. I want to look in other places. And so postmodernity is like, I'll just look for anything anywhere, and I'll believe anybody. I just want somebody to help me figure out what is life about. And so people will, like, attach, you know, they'll hitch their cart to somebody that has a YouTube channel that has no credentials except the fact that they have a YouTube channel. And suddenly they believe, well, maybe the earth is flat, or, you know, whatever it is that they get indoctrinated to believe, because, because science doesn't give us the answers, and, and even Christmas, even the secular Christmas, like Christmas has become more and more and more secular. Yeah. It's kind of this, it's kind of this, the light within you and the light within us. And we are just, if we just kind of look within, we'll, we'll figure it out in peace and joy and happiness. Like, kind of like the Elf. Elf is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but it's kind of like that answer of if, if, you know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And so... If I just sing and we sing together and then we bring everything to life and everything is wonderful. But the fact is that just doesn't work out that way a lot of times in human societies. And really, ultimately, I want to show you this picture. This is the ultimate truth. Christmas really do be like this sometimes. (laughs) Christmas really do be like this. This is my front yard and... uh, (laughs) My daughter and her boyfriend uh, set that up last weekend, and I didn't realize this, but we, we only, they're supposed to have four stakes. We had lost one, and so we had three, and then the two of them are still missing. So they tried it with one stake, and it didn't work. So he's still, I won't even show you what he looks like now, because now he's like that, but deflated, so he's even worse. <laughs> he's even worse. But so, but, but this is kind of a metaphor, like, we need a center, right? We need something to ground us. We need something to return to in darkness or when 
we don't have hope or when, when, when crisis hits us, we can't find those answers within ourselves or with the, even within just the, the fabric of our community, there has to be something more. There has to be something outside of this domain, this, this realm. There has to be a, a, an answer that's not within just us, but that comes from outside. And that's the whole idea of Christmas is that God enters our world. That God himself has entered our fabric of humanity and entered our darkness and given us a hope that is something we can center ourselves in. Just like that snowman needs those stakes, like our hope in Jesus is centering. So when we get blown around, you know, like my snowman, it's not just the two little lines, you know, it's you've got a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And so the same passage says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, I want to take a minute and just meditate on this passage and these different names of Jesus. And I just want you to take a minute to, to, to listen to this verse, breathe it in, meditate on it, and see which of those sort of titles of Jesus speaks to you and why. And then I'll ask whoever wants to, to share a few things. So, so these, these, these names that Jesus will be called, uh, which one kind of speaks to you, to, to you in this moment? Let's just have a little bit of silence and, and then uh, we'll ask whoever wants to, to share. Okay, so this is amazing because this is something that there's no other religion that has anything like this. I mean, a lot of religions have self-help. A lot of religions have kind of be good to all people, kind of golden rule type stuff, do to others as you would have them do to you. A lot of religions have that, but what's unique about Christianity is, is it's saying you, you, you want to reach for what's good, but you're going to keep falling and failing. And so you need, some, you need help from outside, <laughs> and, and so this, this child is born, in hu a human child, and yet this, somehow this child is also wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And this passage was written 750 years before Jesus, so it's really cool to think about God's big picture of what he was doing. But which of these speaks to you? Which of these? Yeah, Clay. Amen. So Clay said for the, for the live stream, wonderful counselor, and he referenced the, the passage in John 15 that, that Jesus would send, that the Spirit would come from, from the Father, and he, he would remind us and be with us and remind us of all things, all spiritual truths. That's awesome. Who else? Which one spoke to you? Steve. Uh, same as Clay, wonderful counselor. Uh, the idea of Emmanuel or God with, God with us. Always, uh, Amen. Comforting. God with us. You guys could probably hear it on the live stream because Steve's right in front of the mic. 
We hear you sing on the live stream too, Steve. I love it. Uh, Nicole. Um, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Yeah. Um, it's just nice to know that there, is there is peace to be found. She said the Prince yeah. of Peace, because there is a lot to burden us in this life, a lot of darkness. Anybody else? Yeah, Paulette. Yeah, just seeing, you know, and the government will be on his shoulders, on and on and on. He will be, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Like, Everlasting Father, he will never leave us. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Paul had said that the, that, uh, the wonderful counselor that he, I mean, the, uh, 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 which one did you say? Everlasting. Everlasting Father. Yeah, sorry. It's just that he, he will reign supreme. He's always there. He's, you know, everlasting. Even that's that word, everlasting. Like, he's always there. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Kike. Mighty God. Like, we're talking about science has a Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, awesome. Kiki said, "Mighty God, that just the creation, that a creation that testifies to the power of Jesus, uh, of God." And she's experiencing herself because she's a pregnant mother and and uh, or expectant mother, and well, she already is. A, has one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, right the first time. it's amazing, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Dave. Last one. Yeah, I think this is a wonderful list of, of names for, for Jesus. We always think at Christmas time as Jesus is the Son of God, uh, we think of the Christ child. So to see it named as the everlasting Father, I know Jesus said that I am the Father of one, but I never really think of Jesus as the Father, but to say everlasting. All of us, we have an earthly father. In the natural course of life, we, our father should predecease us. And so it comes a point in our earthly life where we will lose our fathers. Yeah. But to know that we have an everlasting father in, in heaven, in Christ, is, is very comforting and something to reflect upon. Amen. Uh, David, I can't say it as eloquently as he did, but he said that you know, we all have earthly fathers and they will pass away, but we we have an everlasting father you know we have something that we can hold, hold on to so yeah it's, i mean we have we have a centering we have a we have a foundation and um, i want to look at one more passage before we uh, take communion it's from the book of john you might know this you might not know this but the gospels there's matthew mark luke john matthew mark and luke are kind of similar you can tell they they share um, some similar sources there's the, the scholars debate which came first and who borrowed from whom and 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 um, you know kind of the, the, there's a lot of source 
criticism, uh, criticism in a good way, but just like they, they try to figure out how did, how, did the, how did this all fit together. But they're called the synoptic gospels, which means they kind of follow the same flow. There's some differences, but they kind of follow the same flow. Then the book of John comes along, and it's way different. It's completely like things are out of sequence. And, and also for the ancients, they're not so concerned with what happened in what order. It's more like when you watch a movie, and they're kind of giving you different scenes. You know, that's how the Gospels are. They're, they're, they're giving you different scenes, and it doesn't necessarily matter, wait, did that happen first, or did that happen first? That's not really concerning them. That's more the message that they're conveying. It's all truth. But it's, it's the way that they are conveying it. So John is very different. And, and some say one of the later books written, uh, John was an old man when he wrote the book of John. And so by the time he wrote the book of John, I mean, just think about for a second what he had experienced. I mean, he had seen uh, Jesus. He'd walked with Jesus. He'd seen the gospel go out. He'd see these churches, uh, house churches being, being uh, coming into into place and all over you know the, the the known Roman world but then he also experienced just this intense persecution and intense uh, just challenges and difficulty like for example uh, in 70 AD well leading up to, to to 70 AD there was just systematic persecution of Jews and Christians and uh, you know under Nero uh, you, they're, they're, they're exterminating Jews. And, and uh, what, what ends up happening in 70 AD is it all kind of comes to a head. And so for seven months, uh, the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by uh, Vespasian's, uh, Vespasian and I think his son, I can't remember which it is, but this general Vespasian, uh, at the behest of Nero, he's got the city surrounded. And so they're, they're trying to starve them out. And so in Jerusalem, people are dying and they're starving. And... and uh, you know, it's, it's so many people, they're, they, they have the plague, you know, and all of this stuff because they're, for seven months, you know, no food and no, they have water because there's a little uh, um, spring that is within the city walls that they could get water, but they don't have food. And so uh, finally, the, the, the walls fall, the city falls, all of the, the, the whole temple is, is destroyed. I mean, it, it's burned to the ground. And, uh, a million Jews are killed, and this is John's people. You know, this is this is John's identity. Um, but all of these people are killed, and and hundreds of thousands are taken into to forced slavery. And so that's the, the the world that he's in as he's writing this gospel. But the way he starts the gospel, he doesn't start with the you know the way the other gospels start. It's like maybe because they had already done it, you know, with the baby in the manger or the. The, the Magi traveling. He doesn't start with that, that story. He starts with saying this kind of this cosmic image of Jesus, that the light, the, the light and life and, and the word of God, the logos, the meaning, the rational meaning of God becomes a human being is how he starts. And, and as he's starting about the logos of God that becomes a human being, he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So John's, John's world had expanded from this little Jewish world to this is the light of all mankind. This is, the, this is not just the Jewish Messiah. This is the Messiah for all people. And then he says this. I love this passage. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even though they tried their hardest to exterminate the light, they tried to destroy the Christians, you know, they, they tried to destroy the whole Jewish religion. They, you know, blew up the temple, and it's never been rebuilt. Uh, 
and, and yet, and, and the ruins are still there, and there's still, you know, uh, devout Jews that go, and they, the Wailing Wall, if you've ever seen that, that's the one wall that remains, and they, they go there, and they pray, and, and ask God to restore the temple. But as Christians, we believe Jesus came, and he is the temple, and we are now the temple. Jesus has restored the temple, you know, and, and so we, we, we have so much hope that the darkness cannot exterminate this light. And so that should give you hope, even if this is a dark time for you, you know, even if you're wrestling with loss, or even if you feel kind of overwhelmed at, at the world right now and all of these, you know, political division and, 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 and social things that are happening and there's movements to try to push Christianity to the side or try to bring about this, you know, new world order, whatever it is that, you know, there's all these things and, and people, as a minister, people always want me to see this stuff, you know, they always want to show me stuff and you should be aware, I mean, all of you that say that, you all say that, you know what I mean, like, I want you to know about this big thing we should all be scared about. And I get it, like, but I'm not scared about it because I believe in Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this is foretold. The world is dark. Yes, it's dark. And the darker it gets, the more the light shines. And so we don't have to be afraid. Like, we have, even if they try to kill us all. I mean, even if America gets overtaken by, you know, radical whatever. I won't even give a name to it. Radical people that believe in in, in, in something ridiculous, and they just for, they won't let us meet, and they won't let us pray, and they won't let us. That's all right. That already happened, right? I mean, they cannot take, they cannot extinguish the light. And when did the light shine the brightest? It was in the first century when people were trying to kill all the Christians and exterminate them all. Now, I don't want to suffer. I don't want my kids kids to be killed. I don't want to be thrown to the lions. I don't. I like comfort. I, I'm looking forward to. Do you know what I mean? I. I'm looking forward to relaxing and watching some, some soccer and some football or, uh, this afternoon. You know, I, I'm not like this, I want to be a martyr, but I'm just saying, I, even if it comes to that, I have a hope that cannot be exterminated. I just want you to remi- be reminded of that because the world is dark and scary and, and there's a lot of people trying to, 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 to bring us down, you know, and a lot of things that can bring us down. We have a hope that can never be taken from us. And that's what communion is about. That's a, it's a centering time. As a body, we remember Jesus' body and blood given for us. And as a community, we, we share in the loaf together. We share in his blood given for us. And so let's take a, a couple moments of, of silence to, to pray silently, and then I'll lead us in a prayer for communion. God, it's, uh, it's great to hear the kids in the other room as we get quiet and uh, just be reminded of the innocence of kids and uh, the innocence of a, of a little baby uh, being born and um, just what an amazing thing that you entered the world in that way and not born in a, into a rich man's family or into a palace, uh, but born into a family that was kind of on the outskirts, you know, living in a hick town and and uh, of no acclaim and a, a poor family uh, couldn't even afford the appropriate offering. You know, they had to go for the pigeon route for the offering when he was born because they didn't have, didn't have anything. You know, they, even born in a stable, you know, in a, in a place for the animals, 
just that you chose to come to the world that, that way is so amazing. And God, thank you for the reminder that we have hope. We have something to give us a firm foundation. We have Jesus always to look to in times of darkness or in times of trial or in times of discouragement uh, or in times of sickness and, and the things that can get us down. God, we acknowledge that, you know, we are broken and we are fallen and, and we mess up and those we love mess up. And, and God, we acknowledge that there is hurt and darkness and, and death in this world still as we are outside of Eden. But we thank you so much, God, that you are coming for us and have come for us and you will return, uh, that you sent Jesus into this world to remind us uh, of your presence and to show us how to live. And thank you for his death on the cross that takes away all of our sin. Uh, God, that we can face you confidently, that we can face tomorrow confidently, um, that we don't have anything to fear. What an amazing thought, God, that we don't have to have anything to fear because we have you. And uh, thank you for that, God. I pray that we can counsel one another, encourage one another with those words, as the Bible says to do, that we can remind each other about the solidity of our faith And uh, thank you for this time to remember Jesus' body and blood given for us. Thank you that we could bow and worship him, which is the right response. And uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.